0: wants and thinks that we should have. Can I tell you it's not about that? Everybody look here. Tonight, we're going to have a time together tonight uh, that is not a time for me to counsel you. Everybody look here. Not a time for me to counsel you or to hear all of your years, aches, woes and pains. Well, you're our pastor. We are. We also got a time that we can schedule that and do that. I'm coming tonight to be me and enjoy some time together. I'm going to eat like you eat. Maybe. I'm going to play games like you play. But I'm going to enjoy this part of the season. Pastor, why? Why why would you say even start something like this? Because I need to breathe just like you need to breathe. Come on, somebody. I need that time. That moment that I just say, God, you know what? I, I'm not going to worry about everything that's going on. I'm not going to worry about all the pressure that's being put on me for what the next year is going to bring, and we not even got out of 2019 yet, I'm going to enjoy an opportunity to be together with what I call my family and my friends. Amen. We ought to. Amen. We ought to. We ought to. If you don't, shame on you. Amen. Good to see you here. We've We've been in a series called Seasons Change. I ask Cole, thank you, Cole, for bringing me. The stool, I I do this trying to force myself to sit down sometimes. It usually doesn't work, so I'm going to preach to you the way that I would preach to you. And so I'm going to share with you some things this morning that are about when you are going through winter seasons. The winter represents the most difficult moments of your life. Now I just want to tell you before we ever get started, this is not the fix-all for everything you're going to face or that you're facing. But if you will listen close, it will help you. There are three points that I'm going to give you. There are only two that will come up on the screen. If you check out from this early, you're not going to get the third one. And you're not going to hear the best part of what you need to hear today. I need you to hang with me a minute, Pastor. Really? Yes, I'm being serious with you. Amen. Angela sent me a couple messages while she was going through the the sermon and looking over it, and I know that she probably thought pastors left some stuff out he's forgot he ain't got he ain't got that all here it's intentional I need you here amen I need you here with me amen everybody ready yeah. last week we talked about a subject that it, we talked about time time is something that we all have we all have 24 hours uh, in a day even though it doesn't seem like sometimes that we do. Those normal days, those normal hours, those normal minutes that we have is what I refer to as tick-tock, a time that just comes, it goes, it just happens. Tick-tock, tick-tock. You know that. That's the normal time. We also talked about, without getting too deep into that, is that God gives us moments, and we gave you the Greek word for that. We're not going to go into that today. But we God gives us moments in life that are what we would call God moments. I had a, a picture that I started to use today because I had somebody, more than one somebody, as a Pastor, can't believe you put a picture of your dog on the screen It's no longer with us anymore. I was crying. So I'm not going to do that to you today because I was going to go deeper with that a little bit into this message because that is painful. And somebody might say, because they will say this, everybody listening hear what I'm saying that my pain is a lot worse than losing a dog. Can I tell you, it does us no good to compare pain because we can step it up and I can show you more. I can give you more. I looked for a picture, everybody listen here, that I don't even know that I've ever shared with my wife or ever shown to her that in 2014, just a few days prior to the day we're in now, I was sitting at early mornings in the hospital room with my dad while he laid in a bed, and I see you. And I snapped a picture that you can tell there's someone in the bed, but you can't really tell who it is. I know who it is. And I wanted to share that this morning, but I decided not to because I don't want to put on anybody any more than what you think that you might be able to stand, even though it's difficult for me, and it's how I've worked through a lot of this. Well, Pastor, you've been spending the past five years working through this. You know what? And I may spend another five years working through it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm thankful for God of grace, mercy, and love, that he's touched with the feeling of my firmities. He knows when I'm hurting. He had to go through a bunch of this stuff just to say, I know what you're facing. And, Tony, it's okay. It's all right. Is that okay this morning? I'm just looking for some God moments, some times that I know that we uh, can come together. And next week, I'm going to touch this here real quick. December 22nd, we'll start at 10.30. Worship experience is the only one we're going to have that for that morning. We're not going to do two or three worship experiences. We're going to do one worship experience. We want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family. This service will be geared toward those people that need to know Jesus. And we believe they if they leave out of here, Without knowing Jesus Christ, we did everything we could to make sure they did before they leave. Is that okay? So we're gearing it toward that direction. We want them to know that. When we set in a service and we know that most of the people that are in church have come to church, go to church, they know the Lord then it is a little bit different. The service might be a little bit different. But we want to give it so that your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors can come and they can experience a God moment. Let's move on. Go to Luke chapter 15 with me. And we're going to talk about surviving the most difficult seasons that life brings. The winter season, the toughest time of your life. John, I'm sorry, not Luke. John 15, and it's not 1 through 8, it's 1 through 7. So if it comes up eight, it's okay. We're going to be good. Just hang with me. Very familiar. I'm going to read to you. I am the grapevine. Jesus saying that he was the grapevine. My father is the gardener. Understand that you've got to have a vine, but you also have to have somebody who's working the vine and making sure that everything goes as it's needed. You can grow stuff in your garden. You can grow stuff in your yard, but I have learned very quickly the way that they grow best is when somebody is tending to it. I may not have a green thumb. You may not have a green thumb. But believe me, when you tend to it, it does better. Look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. Look at this. So they will produce more fruit fruit. He prunes back, he cuts back those he loves, he cares about what he wants to see grow because when they're pruned and when they're cut, they will produce more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Look at verse 4. Remain in me. Somebody say, stay here. Remain here. Come on. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. If you've been cut off, you can't produce. There's a difference between being cut off and being cut back. There's a difference between being pruned off and being pruned back. Amen. All right, look at this. Remain in me, for they can't produce fruit if they're severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, uh, and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you cannot do anything, nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and are burned. But if you remain in me and my words in you, you may ask anything you want, And it will be granted. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we've got together. Lord, I ask you to bless, Father, our ears that they might hear spiritually. Father, that we might receive, Lord, not just a a few scriptures and a couple of points, but, God, that we might get something in our life today. Father, that means something to us that we might leave here with a life change. That we might have a deeper understanding, God, of the darkest times, the coldest times, the worst time that we've been through that we might know, Lord, that you're doing something even in those moments. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you the honor. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If I would ask you and I would ask most people who live in the South, hey, look, what is your what is your least favorite season? What What is it? And I think for many people, they would have to say, or a lot of them would say, uh, winter. Winter's my least favorite. Why? Because people that are in the South typically don't know how to deal with winter. If we get ice, if we get snow, come on somebody, we will go to the grocery store. We will clean out the store of all the bread and the milk. Now, I'm not sure what all the significance of just bread and milk is, but that's what we do. The kids' bicycles that they got for Christmas, if it snows, we try to put snow chains on them because we want to make sure they get where they're going. That's how we deal with the winter. We get, we get drastic, and I'm sure that people who are transplant plants who come from the north to the south look at us and they laugh because we go to the drastic measures that we go to because we know that winter months get long. The days are short. The nights are long. You, you, you're the one who's looking out the window at 5.15 or 5.30 or you're sitting in your recliner and you say, what time is it? It's only 5.30. It seems like 7.30. It seems like 8.30. We just don't really know how to deal with that Thing. We're just not—we're not geared that way. We like to think about springtime. We like to think about flowers blooming, even if we have to deal with the sinus stuff that usually goes along with it. We'd rather have longer days and shorter nights. We'd rather see things blooming. We'd rather th- see things. Uh, uh, coming along but for us for Christians we have never really been taught from the word of God how do we make it through when things get bad how do we weather what, what some would say weather a winter season how would we go through that and I'm, I'm using that word winter because I really want you to know that that describes the most difficult times of most people's life it's the time that we have to endure and, and, and it's useless again for us to measure hey my winter was worse than yours What what qualifies a difficult season? What makes it a bad season? Listen, when I say a difficult season, some of you that are here are going to have a range of challenges from losing a loved one to losing a job to to your finances not being what it needed to be or maybe even being sick. And there are a lot of people in this room that have had their challenges this year with their health, with their job. They have lost people and some of you have even lost sight of your joy. I hope to help you with that this morning because to be honest with you today, joy is not not something that you're going to get from a brown paper bag or another sermon you're going to choose it. You're going to choose joy in your life. It it would be completely unproductive for us to talk about how and to compare how bad your year is with someone else. We cannot always choose our circumstances. Hear what I'm about to tell you, that you're going to go through, but you can, listen to this, choose how you respond. Most people respond by getting on Facebook and talking about what's going on. And they get advice from 500 friends that they don't even and have never met or put their eyes on or haven't seen since their last class reunion. When God has given us his word, he's given us a place that we can go to. And the Bible says to hide under the shelter of his wings. We've got a refuge in him that we need to learn that we can go to Him. I, I know it's easier for, I'm going to preach whether you help me or not I know it's easier for us to go to a human and try to get that cons, uh, consoling or, or or whatever we need from a human being but I'm going to tell you something that God is the only one who can give you a peace that passes all understanding. He's the only one that can bring back the joy of your salvation that you lost or you misplaced or you don't know where it's at. God is the only one that can do the work in the middle of your marriage, in the middle of your job, in the middle of your finances that will produce a miracle that you need because that job, that marriage, the the finances right now look like a winter season that will never turn around and God is trying His best. But hear me, in the middle of that, don't miss that God is pruning back a little bit because He wants you to grow. If you miss that, you're going to miss the growth part of what God's trying to do in you. You're going to miss the part because, listen to me, every season that comes into your life is not God's decision for your life. There are some seasons that we go through that we absolutely bring upon ourselves. Come on, shake your little head. Come on, Pastor, I don't agree with you. Okay, let me help you here. God loves you very much. And you can be praying for God to get you out of $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, $40,000, $5,000 worth of debt that you put on a credit card to buy for people who won't remember what you bought them next year or even care about it. And you're praying that God will help you out. He has. He's giving you good common sense to cut the card up and just say no. And send them, send them a text at Christmas and tell them you love them. Tell them Merry Christmas. And don't worry about the pressures that you're putting upon yourself. That's not a season that God put on you. That's a season you put on yourself. You've got to learn to control spending habits in order, come on somebody, to be able to do what's, got, what's right. Now, I understand I'm not trying to be ugly. It's just the truth. We've all done that. We've all been there. Look here. I've had people come to me, now we're going into 24, 25 years of ministry, pastoring churches now. And here's what I hear a lot of times. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I can't pay this bill at my house. I can't do this at my house. I can't do this. First thing I'm going to ask you is, are you tithing consistently? Are you tithing consistently? Because tithing consistently is going to make the difference in how your life moves from there on out. Why, Pastor? Because God doesn't need your money but hear me, He does need your obedience. He will take your money and use it for the growth of the kingdom of God. He will allow the lights for us to turn the lights on, the heat on, get the carpets clean, all the stuff that needs to be done. Reach out to ministries that can't help themselves or having trouble. He will allow us to do all of those things but until you and I learn that 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 is not a That is not a suggestion, but it is a command from His Word to do that. We will constantly deal with issues in our life. Once we get that issue under control and we start doing that. But pastor, I can't afford to do that. Can I tell you, you cannot afford not to do that. I said you cannot afford not to do that. Why? Listen to me. I want to apologize again for every person who's ever stood behind a pulpit on a television, evangelist or otherwise, that have conned people out of money for a new car, a new house, for something else. There's nothing wrong with pastors and preachers and evangelists living well. They ought to. If we don't mind giving millions to a football player, a baseball player, a hockey player, it ought to be all right that the pastors and the churches and the evangelists do all right too. But I'm telling you, God did not call me to take your money for my well-doings to be able to do something, whatever, go extravagant with it. My dog doesn't need an air conditioner. I don't have a dog anymore. He doesn't need a house that's got heat in it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Once we get that. Once we get that into our life, then God can begin to deal with some of the other things that are going on. Here's the problem that a lot of people have with giving. I know I'm over into this. It's not in my notes, but hear what I'm telling you. Most people will come and they will give an offering, or many people will give an offering, or they will give in a tithe, and they will say, what are they doing with my money? We want you to know what we're doing. We're going to try our best to let you know what you've done and what we're doing and how it's being used for the kingdom of God. But in your heart, if you give it with the thought, I want to know what they're doing with my money, you're really not giving it with a heart that God has given you. You're putting your hand in and never releasing what God has given to you to return back to Him. I'm preaching better than you're helping me, but it's truth. And until you learn to release that, you'll never know the complete, true, genuine blessings of God. It's not your responsibility anymore. You let it go it's not yours anymore. You let those that are in charge, those that are have that authority, those that are responsible for that, take care of it make sure that it goes where it's supposed to go. Are you on the page with me? So now that God can do that in my life and God begins to bless me and as He's blessed me and I give in offerings and I do all of these things and now I've got my debt under control, I've got all of this stuff and God begins to change my season. He changes my season because now I'm controlling my spending habits and now when things begin to happen in my life there is a time that I have planted there's time between that planting but there is a harvest that will be returned to you. God cannot lie. Come on somebody and he will not lie. I told you last week I'll reiterate it today I don't believe that God's necessary a mathematician. He's more of a farmer everywhere you find in the word he talks about planting. He talks about sowing. He talks about reaping but it's not your business and it's It's not my business to know how we will reap. It's our business simply to sow it and believe that God will give the increase. Amen. Every season that you go through and the ones you expect God to change, you first have to walk out in obedience. You may not understand everything that you're going through, but I believe that God wants to work in and on our response to what's happening to us. As a pastor, I don't understand every reason for every season that people go through, but it's not in my job description, and it's above my pay grade. It's true. But I can understand that God is looking for a response from me and from you in every season, whether good or bad. And today I want to share some thoughts with you from the Bible. And I want to talk to you about how that in John 15, there's some truths that will help us through even the worst season that we've ever been through. And point number one is very simple, it's very basic. But in this winter season, in the dark seasons, God is wanting to prepare me for something. God is trying to get me ready for something. There is a there is a thought behind tilling ground. There are farmers that will till ground and they will, they will plant that ground for so many years, but many times they will allow during winter seasons for that ground to lay fallow. They will even allow it to happen many times during their planting season because they're trying to let the ground catch up with itself. They're trying to let it get back up, revitalize and and work like it should and the question that you and I have and most of us do is what is God preparing me for in a season that it seems like I'm struggling but not celebrating God what is it that you're preparing for me that I can't see, what is it that you're trying to do because most of us want to know, we want to know the why of what's going on for me and my last year's winter season, there were things that began to change for me. And I had to stop asking God this question, and the question was why, and I had to start looking at the what. There's a lot that must happen in a wintertime season before spring ever comes. You're going to pick up a lot of limbs if you've got trees at your house. You're going to go through, I was I was like knee deep in leaves here a couple of weeks ago trying to get as much as I could out of my front yard, trying to get, they're beautiful when they fall, they're beautiful when they turn, but when they get there and they lay dormant and they lay dead, we kind of figure out we need to do something with them just to help you a little bit. I used to go out, get the kids, they hated it. We get a blower out, we get a lawnmower out, we get some tarps out and we would take and rake and get as many leaves as we could into what I call rows. We would put them on tarps and then pull them up into a trailer, and I would take them and dispose of them. I stopped doing that. The reason that I stopped doing it was because I learned that one of the things that the ground needed was what it could get from those leaves when you composted them, and they laid there long enough. Follow me. So I quit doing that, but I waited until they were all out of the house before I did because everybody knows free labor is a good thing out of your kids or grandkids. Amen. So I bought these blades. They call them gator blades that go on my mower. And what I'll do is I'll work during the season. Instead of trying to do it all at one time, I'll work gradually while the leaves are following. And I'll just keep, I'll run over them. And those leaves will be mulched to to just powder, really. And and, and sometimes it's more than really what I want in my yard. Those I blow to the road and hope that the neighbors get. No, I'm kidding. I'll put them to the road, but they're really to powder. And sometimes pick them up. But for the most part, what's laying there is mulched, to revitalize what's happened. So there's a lot of things that have to happen with a winter season so the spring will come. And you will not always know, look at this, the why that some things happen. But you can, if you're patient, know the what that God wants to do in you. What is it? Well, God, you're preparing me for something. I don't know exactly what it is. But instead of asking you, why am I going through this? I'm asking you, what do I need to learn? See, these, these students that go to school, go to school and they may ask the question, why in the world am I going through school and having to learn algebra? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you for that. But there's probably an engineer somewhere in the room or somewhere close by that could say, you may need this later on. That's what they always told me. I don't really know. And we always ask the questions, why? Why why do I need to take this in school? I'll never use this again. I really believe, personally, there are some simple things that they could do for you guys in school that would help you other than algebra. One would be how to manage money. How to teach you how to balance a checkbook or whatever you do online because kids don't get that anymore. They only know how to go to the ATM and bank and look on their phone to know what they got the balance for. So anyway, I'll move on. From that's not my notes, but we can ask ourselves continually, why, why, why? And I really believe the question that is appropriate in this is what, what, what is the reasoning? What is the reasoning that I need this? What is the reasoning that I'm having to go? Well, God is trying to prepare me for something. John fifteen and one, it says, "I'm the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener." I I, I know that I'm the grapevine, Jesus said, and God is the gardener. And before most of us understand all of this, you've got to get a little bit agriculturally minded, but most people are not. I like what Phil Robertson said on Duck Dynasty one time. He was trying to teach his grandkids how to make mayhaw jelly. If you ain't never ate mayhaw jelly, you probably ain't lived, Okay. But mayhalls grow wild and they can shake them out of a tree and you can, you can cook them down and you can make jelly out of them like you can muscadines or skefanons or whatever you want to call them and it can make some good gravy. But he looked at one of those who is now married, now got a baby and he says, what will you do when it all turns south and there are no chicken nuggets and there are no fries? I love his theology. I love his thought pattern. He was trying to get them to think a little bit, what would you do for food? because most of us are not agriculturally minded. We just think that that somehow or another Kroger and Walmart magically gets the tomatoes that are put on the shelf and the cucumbers and the onions, they're all bought from a store. We don't know that somebody had to plant and they had time to wait before everything that was grown in that store came up and then it was shipped and put on the shelf. Are you with me? It did not come from Whole Foods. Come on, somebody. They weren't just range-free eggs eggs, or organic foods. Amen. God is a farmer. And God understands, because He is farmer, how things grow. And He understands how to take nothing and make something out of it. Look at me. Here's the thing. You and I have to learn to trust a God that can take nothing and make something out of it. You see, when I submit to the growth process, it's my soul being in good hands. When I say God, I don't know the why that I'm going through all of this, but I submit to your process, and for whatever reason that I'm going through it, I believe that my soul is in good hands. Come on, somebody. If it's cold outside or it's winter outside, understand that the winter is making way for the spring season, and springtime, look here, always represents a time of celebration. You will most times go through seasons of blessings that are often followed by seasons of barrenness. Jericho. Real quickly, not in my notes, but just real quickly. Jericho. We all know about Jericho. We all know about winning at Jericho. We all know that Joshua marched around the walls. The children of Israel did. The walls fell down. They plundered the city. It was one of the greatest victories that was known throughout the Bible. But little people know... Few people know about a city called Ai. And Ai was much smaller with less people that they went in to take. And they failed and they lost miserably at Ai. Because many times, many times, many times, the blessings of God in our life are followed by the barrenness that we deal with. Now there was reasons why they went through that. But I'm just here to tell you, be careful that you, when you're shouting the victory that you're prepared in that victory, in that celebration for a struggle that sometimes follows. But I'm here to declare to you, just like a celebration doesn't last forever, so does not the winter last forever. That God wants to bring you out. Aren't you glad that life is full of cycles? Aren't you glad, amen, that fall doesn't always stay here, that winter doesn't always stay here, that we do have spring? Aren't you glad that we only deal with summer eight months out of the year in the South? Winter, the soil is being revitalized. It's possible that you're in a winter right now. Life is just a little bloom away if you'll wait on God. A few years ago, I decided that I needed some kind of hobby in the spring and the summer. Because I like to hunt when I can during the the winter months. And I feel like it. I, I do like to go. Been very blessed in that. And I needed something as a hobby because I didn't need to go stir crazy. My wife trying to get, you know, need, you need something to do. I'm not a golfer. I've never been good. I've tried. I just end up throwing the big berth out in the woods somewhere because I just don't do really good with it. So I needed some unwinding time. And for anybody who's before they say anything, I've rode a motorcycle as long as just about I could remember riding one whether it was a dirt bike or a trail bike or the little 70s that came out, the Hondas that everybody's trying to get $2,000 for now that you could get for very cheap when I was a kid. But, you know, we couldn't really afford it, but I wanted one, so I got a broke-down one to fix to be able to ride. You know what I'm talking about. So I've always done that. Bethany would tell you I've restored uh, BMWs and done all kinds of different things and just rode off and on. So I decided that I needed to get me a motorcycle, and, and, of course, I got it got to, decided that you know if you're going to have a man's bike you got to have a Harley, you know how that goes, kind of thing. And you normally would ride in the warmer weather, but when it's fairly cool, um, I like to go even with the cold gear on because in the summertime it really gets hot. I mean, you're getting the heat off the engine and all these things. And most guys in the south don't want to be on a motorcycle when it's below 60 degrees. We just, I mean, it just it's too much because whatever the temperature is, is about 10 degrees less than that on your face riding down the road. Believe me, several years ago, there was a few of us that went and decided that we needed to go to Eureka Springs. It was 70 degrees when we left here. Crazy enough, we had to ride through a major city, Little Rock, Arkansas, and we got there and when we got to Little Rock, before we got there, we, they kept stopping and they were looking at a phone. And I won't call Bo's name out here. But they kept looking at a phone and saying, it's going to be all right. I won't call Robert Cap's name out and say, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it. And look, we all put on rain gear. If you want it to stop raining, put on rain gear. If you put on rain gear, it won't rain or drop. You'll burn up, but it won't rain or drop. Take it off and you won't drive three miles down the road and it'll drop out on you. So it starts raining. We're not even to Little Rock. We are drenched from head to toe. We get in the middle of Little Rock on the interstate, which can be tricky to the turns, and we're trying to follow each other and driving slow and all of these different things, and it's pouring down the rain, and the temperature is not 70 anymore. It is cool. I never will forget riding, and and, and I'm riding in the, the slow lane, and so the fast lane is the cars, there was a young African-American girl sitting as a passenger in the seat who passed me. And when, she, when they passed, I happened to glance. And she looked at me, and I didn't, she didn't say anything. But in my mind, I could only imagine she was thinking, that's one crazy white boy to be riding a motorcycle in the po- I'm not talking about a I'm not talking about a sprinkle. I'm talking about it was pouring down the rain. And here's the story or the point of the story that we didn't have no choice but to keep riding we didn't have nowhere we had a destination that we needed to get to nobody really had the extra money to stay anywhere else it was our reservations were made but it was on the other side of that storm and that rain are you following what I'm saying I'm just telling you I was impressed because we kept riding We kept riding to the point that it made me feel like Rocky Balboa when he showed up to fight the Russian Drago because it was cold and it was wet. Can I tell you that as a believer in Christ Jesus you got to set your face like flint and when things are not good when things are cold, when things are wet when you don't feel like it, you still show up to a church service, hold a door in the freezing cold and smile on your face and say welcome to Refuge Church. We're so glad you're here. Come on somebody. still do what God has called you to do. Why? It's part of weathering the winter. But pastor I'm tired of being tired. Can I tell you something? When you show up in the cold months when you show up in the months that you're tired God is just trying to prepare you for the spring that's not very far behind the winter months that you're in. You just gotta keep showing up. You gotta remain you have gotta stay. Amen somebody. Walk out your faith. Don't give up. Well, I got my feelings hurt. You gotta still got to keep going. You got to be the kind of Christian that when it's pouring rain outside, I'm going to show up with my helmet on. I'm ready for the ride regardless of what happens. I, if, if I don't show up when I feel good, Amen. I'll stay home. But if I show up when I don't feel good and all hell is coming against me, listen to me. I feel like I'm going to get a breakthrough. I know that God's going to do something good in me. I did it anyway. I I know that the devil said you ought to stay at the house. I know the devil gave me every reason the world not to come. But I've done made up my mind that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down, that I didn't get in for anybody else. But I got in because I love Jesus Christ. He saved me. He found me. He bought me with his blood. He redeemed me. And because of that, I owe him everything. And I don't, if it's a worship service that I show up and I don't feel good, I'm still gonna worship like I'm gonna give him everything today. Amen. Amen. It won't, this message won't take a lot of, away a lot of things. But if you allow God, he will prepare you for a brighter season. This message ain't gonna take away the fact that some of us this year will have an empty. T- chair at the table but I'm going to tell you I choose and you have to choose even with that how you respond allow God to prepare you for a brighter, better season number two in a winter season God can prune back something from you now anybody that does any kind of Pruning understands that with a tree especially, the sap, what they call, drops out. That's why the leaves turn, and then they finally fall off. It's important that you normally don't trim a tree during the time that it, or major trimming on a tree when they've got a lot of bloom, but you, can't, you can kill a younger tree if you do that. You can kill an older tree if you don't know what you're doing. So many times tree trimming happens during the fall or winter months when the sap has dropped out. Even with your shrubs, a lot of that stuff needs to be done during winter months because it's the time that God uses. Jesus uses the word in John 15 that many of us don't like, the word prune. It's a tough word for us to accept. Look at what verse 2. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. It's like tomato plants that you pull the suckers off of. It's the dead branches that are not producing that need to go. And he prunes every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Why? So they will produce even more. If I can cut away what's dead, then he can make room for what needs to live. If you if you cut a fruit back, or if you cut it's different than if you cut it off, okay? If you trim something back, it's different than cutting it off. If you cut it off, it can't grow. If you cut it back, it gives you, it gives room for it to grow. And the thought is that as a Christian, you, you never have anything that goes wrong or suffer loss or anything like that. If you try to say that, then that's just not true. We always do suffer things that ha- We always have things that go wrong. We always suffer. We always have stuff that happens in our life. But this passage reads that we are cut, but it's a difference between being cut off and being cut back. I'd rather be cut back any day than cut off. Let me help you understand that. If you go through a winter season and you go through a tough time, I'd rather God go with me and be pruned back than to have to go it alone. Does that make sense? He, Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener. We're attached to the vine. I don't want to be cut off from the vine. I want to be attached. Are you with me? Stay connected to God. Pruning isn't pleasant. But it does have its purpose. Let me give you a little bit of my story and I'm going to get to the last part of this. Some of you have heard this, just bear with me. In 2015, I went on a, a journey that was very, very, it was a painful pruning process. I was confronting some things in my own life or having to confront those things. I would go up to a room and look in a mirror and literally stare and say, Tony, do you like what you see in the mirror? It had nothing to do with weight. It had nothing to do with the way my hair was. It had nothing to do with any of those features. It had to do with what I was seeing, I felt like, on the inside. There were things that I I was miserable with. The answer was no. Now, I'm going to tell you, it had nothing to do with me not living my life out as a husband or a father the way that I felt like God or a Christian or a pastor. Listen to this. It felt like, and my wife's heard this term from me more than once, I felt like I had become a hamster on a wheel that I couldn't get off of. Some some of you felt that on your job. Some of you felt that in your marriage. Some of you felt that in your finances. But I began to feel that way in my life, and I, I spent months just going to this room and reading my Bible and praying by myself. Upstairs in our house, mostly crying, confessing to my wife how I felt. I had to go to a funeral once; I never will forget. And I had to, we were going in, or or something, and I sat in the car before we had to go in, telling her how how bad I felt, how horrible I felt, how. And I, I know you can't go by feelings. Telling her somehow, I felt like I had failed her. I had failed everybody around me. Not not because there was anything immoral, because it necessarily wasn't that. It wasn't anything like that. It was just how I I was going through a space of time where I felt like I was on a wheel somehow. And at that moment, I felt like God began to release me from a prison of a hamster wheel. Look at this, and the approval of others. Say it again. I felt like at that moment, God began to release me of a prison of what seemed like a hamster wheel and the approval of others. Because many times, Christians especially live their life for the approval of someone else. Even unbelievers do it, but we're real bad about it. We feel like somehow or another, we've got to have the approval. We've got to have the like on the Facebook page. It's got to be the like on our picture. It has to be the approval of men. But I'm here to tell you, hear what I'm about to say. You do not need the approval of men. You need the approval of God. You're not here for an audience of everyone. You're here for an audience of one. And there are things that you will need to do in your life that God wants to look at you as like Pastor Tagen talked about in his giving talk. We really all want to hear at the last trump of God when we stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant. No one wants to hear, uh, you know, that depart from me. No one wants to hear, hey, you've been wicked, you've done all of these things, but yet we can read the word and find out that there were people in the Bible that said, he said this about, not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord will enter in which tells me that not everybody that says the name of Jesus is saved. Come on somebody. And what I want you to understand is this. When God is when we're going through something, when I was going through that, I didn't just want to go through that season. I wanted to come out of that season stronger. I I don't mind if I have to go through maybe a little bit of pain here and there. I don't like it. But in that process, if I can come out stronger, because if I'm going to go through it, I don't want to just go through it for the sake of the pain. Are you hearing me? And I've gotten good news for you today that God is the one holding... the the pruning shears. And if you and I will submit to the process, amen, I know that we're going to come through this. And that's one thing that a lot of us don't like to hear from others. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to come through this. We don't like to hear that because I'm telling you when we come through it, God's going to strip some stuff away. I cannot always choose my season, but I can choose my response. Look at verse 5. Yes, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in From apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. The secret to being cut on and still keeping your faith is to remain in Jesus. The secret to being cut on and keeping your faith, listen to this, is remaining in Jesus. John 15's last discourse for Jesus before he gets ready to go to his death. He's going to his departure, then to Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was telling them, just before I go, just before I suffer, just before I hang on the cross, I've got one word of instruction for you. This is it. Listen closely. Disciples don't miss it. Church don't miss it. Look at this. Remain in me. That's what he told them. I might not always feel good. I might not always make the right decisions. But i got to realize that if I'll remain in him, come on somebody why remain in him don't leave his presence don't leave the presence of Jesus because if you, you if you stay in his presence you can't lose if you get out of it you got everything to lose look at this there will be seasons in your life that are so tough that you will go through that surviving is success you, you did make it through, and it's a good thing that you did. You've got to understand that the trial that you're going through, the race is not given to the swift or the strong. It's only the one, the Bible says, who endures to the end. So just remain. When there's no feeling in your heart, just remain. When you're hurting beyond your understanding, it's important, remain. When you pray and there's no answer that comes, just praise, but remain. There are things in life that you cannot Uh, go around, you've got to walk through the fire first here's the promise that if you'll remain in him look at this, he will remain in you, let me say it again I told you this early on, I'm teaching to you a lot more than I'm preaching but I need you to get it that there are seasons that many times we want to bypass in our life that God never called us to bypass he doesn't want you to bypass you say, well it's tough, it's hard I don't know why I'm going through it, hear me Remember that there are things in life you won't be able to go around. You've got to walk through it. You've got to walk through the fire. The the important thing that you realize is that you remain in Him. Just remain. Let me give you the third one. This one won't be on the screen. You'll have to write it down or you'll have to put it in your phone. In a winter season, God is trying to prove something through you. If you're dealing with it and you're going through it, God's trying to prove something through you. Hang on. Now, I'm not telling you that God's using your life to put you through pain so that your life is on a window display for all the world to see. But I will tell you this, that God can use your life, that when you are going through painful situations, when you are going through difficult times, that others can see that you have not lost your faith, that you have stayed your course, come on somebody, that you have trusted in Jesus. when, even when you lose people that are closest to you, you've got to stay the course. Why? If you get stuck in that season of why, you're never going to know the what. I know I said it earlier. Let me say it again. If you get stuck in the season of why, do I need to take algebra? Why did I lose that person? Why is my marriage on the fritz why are my finances not where they need to be? Why are thing, Why did I lose that friend? Why did this stuff happen to me? If you get, hear me, stuck in that season, you will never know the what. Look, it is more important for you to know the what that God's trying to do through you than the why of what you're going through. And most people that you're asking for the answers can't give you the answers. Only God can help you. I'm closing. Guys, get me a get my track, if you will. We get ready to close. If you get stuck in the season of why, you'll never come out of why. This is this is what I need you to get out of this. I'm gonna give you this last little thought. Pray. I want you to know first of all, God is good. He's not just good, but he's good all the time. He's good through your hurt situations. Good. Bible teaches us, there's a song that we've sang for many years now called He is a good, good father. There's truth in that. But there's a place, and this is my last point as we close, or my last thought. There's a place in the Bible where we find that the devil comes into, everybody listen just for a few minutes, don't check out. He comes into the presence of God and God, look at this, gives the devil Basically to mess with and God gave him Job's name you know what God told him this is my translation God said if you're going to mess with somebody you can take his stuff you can do. All, you can give him some circumstances but I'm going to tell you, you you can't take his life Satan said the only reason I hadn't messed with him before is listen to this look at me the only reason I haven't messed with him before is because I see that head you've got around him. I see that encamped around him I see those angels around his home is out. I see the angels of the Lord around his children I see, that's what Satan was telling him I see a holy hedge that I can't get past. God said well not only will I give you his name but I'm going to lift a space I'm going to make a small space in that hedge I wish I had more time to preach this to you because some of you that have accused God wrongly Without God, when you were smoking pot, when you were using meth and shooting up in your arms and drinking your life away and carousing around, God had a hedge around you. Well, I didn't feel like God loved me when I listened to me. While you were yet a sinner, he loved you. And it wasn't because of you, but it was because of a mother or a grandmother or a father or a cousin or a niece or a nephew or a pastor or a church member that was praying for you that the angels of the Lord were surrounding you. That's when you didn't know God, He knew you. He knew that you would go through some of the stuff you've gone through. But I'm telling you, God has never given up on you. Don't give up on Him. Even when. So Job uh, starts having all these troubles. for short of the story. The Bible says that he gets boils all over his body. I, my mom had one time. It looked real painful. i known people have them. He had all over his body. The Bible says, Doesn't mean that Job didn't say, God, I don't understand all of this. It's that he didn't charge God wrong. In other words, he didn't curse God. He didn't say, Well, God's doing this to me. Are you with me? The devil gave Job his worst. He took his money. He took his family. He messed with his health. And Job asked the question, Why? But notice that Job says, When I come through the fire, when this thing's all said and done, I'm going to come out purified like that. Are you with me? Why did God allow Job to be tested? He knew that Job would prove God's faithfulness. Would you stand there? Some of you wondering. Even with their finances, but say, you know what? I know things hadn't been the best, but I'm still gonna give the time. I know that things have been difficult. I know that I need to do this and that and the other, but I'm gonna give sacrificially in an offering because I believe that I'm planning not for today, but for tomorrow. I know that things, me and my husband, me and my wife, we're fighting on the way to, we're fighting on the every day at my uh, house. We even fight on the way to church, but I'm gonna. I'm going to keep doing what God wants me to do. I'm going to love them the best way that I know how. And I'm going to keep doing it. My kids acting like hell yes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Smoking stuff, they ought not be smoking. Most of them looking at stuff, especially if they're boys that they're not supposed to be looking at. Don't need an iPhone. Don't need an iPad. Don't need to be on a computer. but we, we want to help them and we don't want them to feel bad because they're the only 6th grader that don't have a phone but they're the only 6th grader that ain't looking at porn either because they don't have access to it in their hand. I know some of you mamas don't want to hear me talk about this but hear me, I'm trying to tell you that God's trying to help you get through a season you may have to make some changes in your family. You may have to be the one that takes the phone away. You may have to be the one that cuts the cable off. You may have to be the one that, that is the bad guy that says, hey, I'm gonna, we're not going to do that because it's a problem in your life. And I want God to bless our home. Bless my family. And I'm already in this winter season that I don't understand why. But for being my house, we're going to serve God. Come on, we're gonna serve God. I I love you. Listen, you don't need to why for the Would you bow your heads Father in the name of Jesus Father for the person today that's lost without you that doesn't know you the person that's walking in a distance far from you today I pray for them I ask you Heavenly Father touch them in the name of Jesus Lord that they will not leave this place Lord eternally lost without you but they will come with saving knowledge today Father I ask you for them right now I ask you Lord to touch their lives Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, convict them so that they will see that they need you. I pray now, Holy Spirit, remove the blinders from their eyes that they might see that you love them. Lord, I pray this now. I pray it. I pray it over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, one person this morning say, Pastor, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, person says, Hey, Pastor, I'm not a Christian this morning. I'm walking far from God, and I need him. Would you lift your hands this well? We want to pray for you. I want to pray for these people that got their hands raised. Thank you. If you're being honest here today, I see you. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your 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 bold tenacity to even lift your hand. Thank you. You know what? I, I you you lifted your hand. You went that far. You said, "Hey pastor, that's me. I, I just got this going on in my life. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved, but I want to be. I really want to live for God. I'm walking at a distance for God. I want to." Would you step out and come this morning? season, you can lengthen a winter season if you don't learn what God's trying to teach you through you. not that he puts you through it, but that he's trying to teach you through it guys if you'll turn that up just a little bit as they pray this morning we're going to pray with these that are here come on turn it up for me just a little bit when you get to the next one I need some people in the church, please pray please pray this morning this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where people who need a touch from God can get a touch in the from God. Crushing, in the